Thank you for taking time to listen to this message from New Life United Methodist Church. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. We invite you to join us for worship each Saturday evening beginning at 5.30. New Life is located at 8301 Mitchell Road in McChesney Park, Illinois. For information on New Life or our ministries, go to findnewlifeumc.org. You can also send financial contributions to New Life UMC, P.O. Box 2034, Loves Park, Illinois, 61030. To honor copyright laws, some audio portions may have been removed. Again, thank you for listening. Welcome to New Life. For those of you who are guests, we welcome you. Hope you got a chance to grab something to drink or something to snack on, uh, meet people. We're going to collect our offering uh, for the work of the church here in a moment. Uh, Checks to New Life United Methodist Church. If you want to get connected with us in any other way, you can fill out one of these connect cards or fill out your pew pad, what we used to call them, attendance registers, those little folders there. Let us know uh, who you are so we can thank you for being here with us tonight or uh, fill out your, give us your email address. We can get hit, hook you up to our news letter. Uh, so as we collect for our offering, just a couple things need to share with you tonight. Uh, again, there is sign-up sheet for some of the items and uh, volunteer opportunities for our neighborhood block party on Friday, June 12th. More information uh, in the newsletter or here at um, uh, in your new life notes. Uh, please take that as an opportunity to uh, be involved and uh, share and invite some other people. Uh, mostly, of course, we're trying just to do this for our neighborhood, uh, build more connections, more relationships, and uh, share the uh, ministry of our paper angel closet again. Uh, we'll do some stuff for that next week uh, during fellowship. So if you want to come during fellowship next week uh, and put things together for the paper angel closet and then uh, two Thursdays we have some appointments, um, and we'll see how it goes with uh, our students during the summer. Uh, might be a little more difficult to arrange stuff for them, but uh, we'll see as that goes. So let's have a word of prayer as we transition now to our forming time as we continue our AHA series. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together to hear your word, to gather around your table to come be your people, your children, in this worship. We ask that you send your Spirit upon us now, set our hearts on fire, open our eyes and our minds and our ears, so that we may truly hear you calling us home. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. So we are looking at aha. These are moments in our life where God seems to reach out to us. He seems to ring an alarm and say, wake up and come home. There are three parts to aha. Awakening, honesty, and action. And to talk about that process, we've been using a parable found in the book of Luke. The Gospel of Luke in the 15th chapter. If you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to Luke chapter 15 starts in verse 11 
It's the parable of the prodigal son, one you're probably familiar with, one we've been talking about for the last several weeks here. A son goes to his father and says, Father, give me everything that I'm due, my inheritance. And his father does that. He goes and he sells everything that his father gave him. And he goes to a distant country where he lives wildly. We don't know how, but we can imagine. And he becomes bankrupt. And he becomes alone. And just when everything is at its worst, a famine hits. And he finds himself starving and he finds himself looking for just any work, anything he can do just to get food to eat. And so he gets a job working, feeding pigs for someone. And he's so hungry and no one will give him any food to eat that he feels himself wanting to eat the pig food. And in that moment, when this good Jewish boy is so hungry, he's going to eat with the pigs, he wakes up. The Bible says he comes to his senses. It's wonderful. And then he's honest with himself. That's the second part. It's not just good enough to wake up when we're in the distant country, when we are away from our father's house, when we are in the worst part of our lives, in great debt, in the midst of addiction, in the midst of pain, in the midst of whatever sin is greatest in our lives. It's not just okay or not just good enough to wake up, but we have to be honest in the sun is honest, brutally honest. We talked about that last week. He says, even my father's servants have food to eat and here I am starving. He says, I've sinned against my father and against God. And he says, I no longer deserve to be called a son. So he's honest with himself. But that's not just good enough. You can't just have awakening and just have honesty. You need all three aspects of, aha, you need to wake up, you need to be honest, and you have to act. On the way, we went to the uh, suburbs today for a birthday party, and on the way there, Jennifer was on Groupon. I don't know how many of you are familiar with Groupon. At least one person. Very excited with Groupon. It's a company from Chicago. It's a local company. It's a local company. It is a great, it's a great thing if you have the app or go on their website. And they have deals, right? They have group Groupons. Groupon, really, really thoughtful there. But here's the thing about Groupon. You have to act, right? If you do not act, the deal will go away. We had deals to an amusement park. And if you don't get the deal within a certain number of days, it will disappear. And then you'll have to pay full price. And then you'll feel bad about yourself. Well, I could have had this great Deal, act now used to be the thing on the TV, on the commercials. Act now before it's too late, before it's all gone, if you ever watch QVC. Act now before the deal's gone. We have to act. So there has to be an awakening. We have to hear God sounding the alarm. We have to be honest with ourselves about why we are in this situation. But then we have to act. And this is what happens to our son in the story. He got up and he went to his father. He took action. He didn't sit around feeling bad for himself. He didn't sit around saying, well, I know I messed up, but... He took action. And there's some process to our action taking. There's, There's kind of steps we have to take. The first thing, we have to know where we are. To be... 
in the midst of a journey. To get up and go, you have to know where you are. You have to know your starting point. You have to know where you are orientated to. Right? A lot of times we're just subconsciously knowing what we're supposed to do. Like if I said I'm going to walk to the coffee shop, right? I would know how to do that because I know where I am just subconsciously. If I get lost, how do I find my way? I have to know where I am. I have to know where I started. The son had to understand where he was was not a good place to be. Some of you are graduating high school. Some of you are probably heading towards that age. And I remember when I was that age, and I, I was actually listening to Kathy and Judy on, on the way to Chicago today because uh, I drink coffee and drive a minivan and listen to talk radio. The things you dream for yourself when you're a young man. So I was listening to Kathy and Judy, and they were talking about children leaving home and, and what, how people felt like that. And several people made this comment today, which I thought was interesting. Over the last year or so of my child living at home, I started to sense some friction. And I was thinking about that. And maybe some of you have experienced that as well. That's probably a healthy thing. Because I think as young people, we realize that, yeah, it's nice to have our bills paid for, and it's nice that somebody else is doing the laundry if, if you can, I never got away with that, but if you could get away with that, that's great. Or cook the meals or, or all that kind of stuff. But I think you know, you feel right in, in your heart that this just this doesn't feel right. I'm getting to an age or I'm getting to a point where I need to do something else. I need to get out. I need to be on my own. I need to explore my opportunities. And that's a healthy thing to do. That's a good thing to do. And it's similar when we're in the lost country, when we're in the distant country, when we are blind to our sin, when we are hurting inside, when we've just fallen apart, we need to understand that it's not okay to be there. It's not okay to be hurting other people. It's not okay to be in the midst uh, of some, some great addiction or, or some great sin or, or whatever it is. It's not okay to be in the pig pen, starving to death. You have to realize that. You have to realize it's not okay. This is where I am, but where I am is not where I'm supposed to be. I remember that when I had my aha experience. I was about 20 years old. I think I've talked about that. But I understood that this selfish lifestyle that I was leading, the people that I was hurting, the things that I was doing that was only concerned about myself, that was not okay. I needed to get up and I needed to move somewhere else. And so that brings us to the second part. We have to know where we are and we have to realize we need to move on. But we also have to know where we're going. Because you can't go somewhere unless you know where you're going. Now, some of you, the P-types among you in the Jungian archetypes, some of you just like to get in the car and go, right? You know, you're those free-spirited people, and God bless you. <clears throat> and that's okay, but in this situation, sometimes you need to know where you're going. Alex and I, every Monday I take my son to uh, play therapy, and then we go out for special lunch, he calls it, just Daddy and him. 
and, and we go to eat at a restaurant every week, and, and he always picks the same restaurant, Taco Bell. And I don't know what, how, what you feel about Taco Bell, and, and I love Taco Bell, of course, and uh, you know it's great, but there's only so many weeks in a row that you can go to Taco Bell without physically and emotionally and spiritually taking a toll on yourself. So a couple weeks ago, we were in the car, and, and I said, Alex, we're downtown Rockford, and I said, Alex, where do you want to go uh, for special lunch? And he said, Taco Bell. And I said, well, we could go anywhere. It doesn't just have to be Taco Bell. So we could go any place you want. So he thought for a second, and he said, well, the car will decide. My wife knows at this point I'm screaming in my head because I know the car's not going to decide because I am driving the car. The car does not just go where it wants to go. That is not how you travel. I am an itinerary kind of person. You have steps. That's how you do it. Drives me crazy if I do not know what's going to happen next. Yeah, well, if I had a Google car, it would just drive itself. I don't have one of those. I didn't know. But we need to know where we're going. The son knew. I'm going back home to the father's house. That's what he said. He knew where we, he was going. Now, now, don't get me wrong here. That doesn't mean you have to have everything figured out. It doesn't mean you have to have all the answers. It doesn't mean you have to have all the plan. Yes, I am the kind of person that likes to know all the details. It doesn't always work out real well for me. I'm not saying that's an ideal personality type. It is my personality type. But it doesn't always work out. Because God does this. Mark, go here. Okay, should I take a toothbrush? Or is this kind of an overnight thing? Or is it going to be a few weeks? Do I need a tent? God never tells me any of that stuff. So I have to figure out the rest of it. But we do have to know where we are going. Some of you young people going to college, it would be cool to say, well, I'm going to college, right? But there are some more steps. You have to know where you're going because start the school year, you have to have registered and you have to have been accepted and you have to have signed up for classes and you have to know where your college is, right? Or at least have someone who can drive you there so they know where it is. It's not good enough to just say, I'm going to college, you have to be particular. Going to NIU, going to Cornell, that's where I went to school. When I had my aha experience, I knew I was going into ministry. I didn't know what any of that looked like. I didn't know what was going to happen, but I knew that's where I was headed. I knew it was not good enough to be where I was. And I knew God had set out a path for me. So you have to know where you are. You have to know where you are going. But maybe most importantly, and hear this, perhaps most importantly, you have to know who's waiting for you. You have to know who's waiting for you when you get home. And this is what happens, and this is a great story. And remember, this is a parable. This is a story based on something that could happen, not something that did happen. Something that could happen that tells us something about God. And this is what happened when the son goes home. Remember, this is, this is in his mind. He's saying, I've messed up. I'm going to go home and say, Father, I'm don't long, I no longer deserve to be your son, but please, could you hire me as a servant? Not, not a, even a, 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 a house servant or, or a slave, but a hired man is what he actually says. 
which is the lowest of the lowest positions in his father's household. This is what he does. He got up and he went to his father. While he was still a long ways off, his father saw him. And his father was moved with compassion. His father ran to him. Now, think of, uh, uh, you, well, you may not be able to, but 2,000 years ago, a very wealthy Jewish man was, did not wear blue jeans or running shorts. He wore many layers of robes. And I don't know if you've ever worn a robe. I own one, right? I don't know if you've ever worn a robe. It's hard to run in them. So you would have had to hike your robe up and kind of be looking foolish. So here's this respectable man making a fool of himself to run to his son, hug him, kiss him, and just as his son is about to say, Father, I've sinned against you and against heaven, I no longer deserve to be called your son. His father doesn't even hear the words he says, looking to his servants quickly, bring out the best robe, put it on him, bring out a ring and put it on his fingers, sandals on his feet, fetch the fatted calf and slaughter it. We need to celebrate. Because the son who was dead has come back to life. The one who was lost is now found. And they began to celebrate. It's a wonderful story. It's a wonderful story because there's someone waiting for us. It's the best news. I mean, it's, it's the gospel story. Someone is waiting for us. I, I mean, just think about you. Think about your family, your relationships. When my, you know, my son, my oldest son is four. When he goes out, because he doesn't make the best decisions, when he goes outside, I worry about him to play by himself. You know, we just started letting him do that this summer. I worry, we've set boundaries, but I worry about him because he doesn't pay attention. And, you know, he makes mistakes and he's a boy and so he tries to do things that he shouldn't do. And so I worry about him and he's just outside. When my family goes somewhere without me for some whatever reason, I worry about them. When my children go on visits with their birth parents, I worry about them. I try not to show it. I, I try to keep that emotion kind of covered, but I worry because they're not here. I don't know what's happening with them. I don't have a little video cam that I can hook up to their shirts, so I don't know what's happening. I worry about them. I worry about them because I care for them. I want them to be safe. I want them to be healthy. I want them to be happy. I don't want them to put in harm's way. I get that from my parents. My parents still worry about me. It's actually somewhat annoying because I'm a grown man. But it's wonderful because that's what good parents do. My dad will you know, sometimes come up and we'll be doing something or they'll be over and he's, he'll just come and he'll say, son, I'm worried about and then, for whatever, I won't tell you what, what reasons, it doesn't matter. But he worries about me. I know my mom, she would never say it, but she does, she worries about me. They worry about me, they're good parents. But they're not God, and I'm not God. And if they worry about me, and if I worry about my children, how much more does God, our Heavenly Father, perfect in love and compassion, care about you? Care about me? care about all of us 
And it doesn't matter how far you've gone into the distant country. It doesn't matter whether you're on the front porch, whether you're in the backyard, whether you're in the next town over, whether you've gone out of state or out of country. God is worried about you. Every time you turn your back on God's heart, on God's home, on God's kingdom, every time you make a decision that hurts yourself or hurts someone else, every time you do something that causes you and other people pain, every time you're suffering, every time you're confused, every time you doubt, God is worried about you. Because God is a Father who's willing to hike His robes up and run across His land, across His estate, to find you. And, and hear this. The father in the story wasn't, he didn't just happen to be home, right? He wasn't just like the son came, knocked on the door, and he got up. He was watching the game, the sports, when he's not here. <clears throat> and he said, Oh, son, great. It's good to see you. He was waiting. He was on the edge of his property, looking, anticipating. When my family leaves, my children go to school, my children go to their visit, my children go to doctor's appointments or therapy or whatever they do, I anticipate their return. God is anticipating our return. Always anticipating our return and always willing to meet us with open arms. We do not worship a God who says, no, you've crossed the line. No, you've made too many mistakes. No, you're not good enough anymore to be part of this household. We may say to ourselves like the son, well, I don't deserve to be part of it. Just hire me on for a few days. We worship a God who says, no, bring them a sandal. Bring them a robe. Put a ring on their finger. They are part of this house. As long as they want to be. That's the kind of God we worship. An open door policy. We don't have many of those in our world. But we do worship a God with them. So that's not the end of our story. Next week we're going to talk about those of us who stayed in the Father's house because some of us have problems too. But I want you to know as you leave tonight, wherever you are, wherever you're going, the door is always open. The light is always on. And God is always anticipating your return. Let's join together in a time of prayer. Remembering those who are in the distant country, those who are suffering, those who are lost and alone, those who we keep constantly in our hearts. Let us pray. Lord, once again, we thank you for this wonderful opportunity to worship you. Let us now reflect upon those who cannot be here. We pray for all of those who find themselves in the distant country, who are still asleep, who are overwhelmed by their sin, by their wrongdoing, by their mistakes, by the judgment they have put on themselves. Wake them up. Help us, if possible, wake them up. Help us walk with them through this process of honesty and process of coming home. We ask that you be with all of those who are ill, those who are suffering, those who 
just want answers, those who are confused, those who struggle with doubt. Comfort them. Help us, Your children, share words of encouragement to all those who need it. Lord, we ask that You be with all of those who lead. The pressure of power in leadership is so overwhelming. Help our leaders be humble leaders. Not giving in to the sin of corruption and power and greed, but being truly servants. We ask that You be with all of those who serve. Make us servant leaders in Your world. Lord, we pray for this church. We pray for all churches. We pray for Your body, the church. We ask that You make us one as You are one. We ask that You allow us to be Your hands and feet, Your body for this world until You come again. We pray these things in Your holy name. Amen. As we continue our time of prayer, we pray together the prayer that Jesus Christ taught us. It's going to be on the screen. At some point. We'll do it in the traditional language. I haven't quite decided how I feel about that yet, but we'll keep working on it. Let us pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I say that not because I have any problems with Middle English or King James English. I say that because I am thinking about my children and other children and what we should teach them. Because Jesus didn't speak English, so... It's not like that's the language that Jesus used, so maybe I should teach my children Aramaic. As we come together around this table for this time of celebration of the Lord's Supper, we come knowing that we are not perfect. And so we pray this act of confession as a corporate time of confessing our sins. I remind you that the things we do here in worship should mirror your daily life and confession should be part of your daily life. So let us pray together. I'll say what says pastor, you say what says congregation. Recognizing that we all sin and are at the mercy of God, we take this time to confess our sins and be assured of the forgiveness that is available to us all through Christ Jesus. God of unconditional love, you offer us everything, yet we long for the distant country and leave the comfort of your home. Forgive us for all we have thought, done, and said. Forgive what we have failed to do or say. Renew us to new life in your kingdom. Hear this good news. God breaks through our sin so we can experience aha moments and return home. In the name of Jesus the Christ, you are forgiven. Amen.